I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody, and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. 'Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me, and your heart will see that a song changes everything. And the music is moving me forward on to brighter things, on to bigger dreams. Let the harmony carry me, carry me. Even if the sky's falling down, I know the sound will lead me out. Come along with me, and I know you'll see that a song changes everything. Waiting. waiting for the fade out <laughs> right her voice is so angelic so in my head I'm like <laughs> I know and there's feathers falling from the sky and glitter and stuff <laughs> it's a good thing our mukes are mited, muted during that part well I don't know maybe they should be unmuted you can hear us singing good morning everyone or whenever you're watching good afternoon good I'm Catherine Pertesini I'm Andrea Vocab Sanderson welcome to arts for the health of it we, uh, we're glad you're here. If you are listening, watching, wherever you are um, engaging with us today, we, um, we're just so happy that you're with us. We, um, we heard back from a listener from an episode we did a couple weeks ago with Allison Body. She sent in her keyhole reflection project and we wanted to share it real quick. Um, and so if you're listening, there's an image of a keyhole. There's this beautiful butterfly that she created with it. And this listener shared, this was such a great exercise for me, really made me identify and name the toxic traits that send me into the spiral. This is exactly what I needed. So mm -hmm. if you if you haven't tried that project, uh, you can always go back and listen to that episode. Right. And so also on the outside, there are words. I'm glad that she used text because as a poet, I definitely identify with text. You've got the word timidness, comfort zone, loneliness, limits putting up walls, shyness, uncertainty, attitude, all of these words. And I felt really connected to that because when I drew my keyhole, the outside was like two beds and then a whole bunch of Zs and then me asleep. And it was just this idea of me sleeping on my power, sleeping on my energy and my ability to do things like either with lethargy or just being burnt out. Mm -hmm. And recently a friend of mine, she has a, an art exhibit coming up and she asked me to write a poem about rest and the need for rest and how important it is. And I struggled with that thing because I was like, I don't rest enough. So how am I going to write a poem about rest? <laughs> like <laughs> rest, I need it. <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah, I felt like a liar as I was writing the poem. And then you know what, after I wrote that poem, I had the best night's sleep because they canceled some stuff. And we couldn't, I couldn't go work my job the next day because of inclement weather. And I was, I was like, and, and now the prophecy has been fulfilled. <laughs> you summoned that the rest that you needed. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm like, thank you weather for being really crappy. So that I could get some sleep. Yeah. Uh, um, we got something exciting coming up today. I'm excited. We do. Um, we are really eager to bring on our guest today, 
Uh, one other quick thing before we get started, we want to share with you this um, creativity initiative that is um, being initiated by our new board member, Amy Latta. She was on our episode last week, um, but it's called Make a Thousand, Give a Thousand. And what you do is you make a heart for patients, caregivers, or medical staff. It can be out of anything you like, um, and you send it to Hearts Need Art. Um, and all this information you can get on our website, heartsneedart.org. Um, there's a link up there for Make a Thousand, Give a Thousand. And so um, this is a way for you to um, share your creativity with the communities we serve. For every heart we receive, uh, a donor is going to give $1, up to $1,000. So um, we would love it if you participated in this project. Again, there's the P.O. Box. And when you do make your heart, use the hashtag, make a thousand, give a thousand, so that we can track all the good work that you're doing. That's right. Put it up on your social media so that people can see. I know a lot of times when people give, they want it to be in silence. They don't want other folks to know. But in this situation, we need to let other people know that we are giving, that we're doing this creative initiative because it will inspire other people to do it as well. And it's such a powerful thing because you're making something with your own hands and then you're sending it off. And as you send it off, you know that funds are being generated to help heal and uh, bring some art into people's lives. Yes, double whammy. <laughs> Two birds. <laughs> There's also templates on that web page that you can use that uh, Amy has created. So if you're struggling for an idea, there's um, there's lots of ways to get inspired. So, all right. Without further ado, <laughs> we'd love speaking to. Inspiration. Yes, speaking of inspiration. Yes. <laughs> Uh, would you like to introduce Judy Vocab? This woman helps people create memoirs for their family. She is a videographer, a historian. She's a documenting woman who does powerful things. Please welcome to the pod, to the show, to the show, to the show. Judy <laughs> Seaman. Welcome, Judy. <laughs> Well, first of all, thank you for having me. But vocab, can I just rent you out whenever I need an introduction? Because Absolutely. <laughs> I'm available for bar mitzvahs, bat mitzvahs, you know, all of that. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you. And I feel like I know you a little bit because I watched the podcast um, from, I think, Christmas time. I know oh, it was great. Christmas that you were talking about the terrible weather in Buffalo. Remember? Mm. And yeah, it was so tragic. Yeah. Yes. And um, I really appreciated your sensitivity. Um, I was impressed with your teaching. And I loved um, that, um, that you suggested that we write about our skin. And there was something just about the way you presented it that I got my notebook, which I always have with me anyway. And I wrote a little seven line, because you said seven, seven line little thing. Yeah, I didn't want to intimidate people. So I feel like seven's the number of completion according to biblical senses. And it's just, even though it's not a round number like eight, it's it's not intimidating, I hope, because it's not so close to 10. So uh, if you would share with us, Judy, we would love to hear your poem. I would love to share with you. But first, I also want to tell Catherine that I loved your picture of the coffee. Oh, my oh God. thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. I forgot you about that. After I saw it, I was like, I need a cup of coffee stat. 
<laughs> I need that cup of coffee. <laughs> Thank you. All right, here's my little poem. Um, I will say that my daughter lived in India for a year and I went to visit her. And so it was kind of inspired by that also. Okay. My skin traveled to a beach in India where gritty sand burrowed into its open pores like a sand dollar. Oh, I said, thank you, and gave the dollar to the beach walla for a sand cake and a sea biscuit. Then I lay in the hot sun, my pores closing full from my meal. Mm, we, and it we were... sounded like so complete. Thank yes. <laughs> thank you for sharing that, Judy. Uh, it, I, I was joking before the show that we should just sit around and read poetry for this whole episode. <laughs> it's just lovely. Stick around. We've got more poetry. I feel like we could maybe even name this episode a day at the beach. <laughs> this is true. This is true. And it's very cold and it's going to be minus 14, I heard, this weekend where I live. So I would like a day at a hot beach. <laughs> yes. Oh, my God. Minus 14. <laughs> so, Judy, if you could tell our listeners... Um, what more about what you do? What is video memoir creations? How did it come to be? Okay, well, um, I'll tell you how it came to be. I, I've been a film editor for don't want to tell you how many years. Um, and I, um, since I graduated college, I've been I've made some documentaries and I've been a film editor at the TV networks, mostly news. And um, I'm always thinking video. It's always in the back of my mind. So I moved to the Berkshires in 2010. And when you drive into the town, there's a sign that welcomes you. And it says, Lenox, Massachusetts, 1767, established 1767. So I realized that the 250th, because other towns around here were celebrating their 250th, 250th anniversary. So I realized that we weren't that far behind. I think it was, we were seven years away or maybe I, yeah, about seven years away. So I decided I've got to get started. There was no committee or anything at that point. It was really too early, but I said, I know a few people, I'm just going to start interviewing people. And by the time the anniversary came about, um, I interviewed 62 people and made an hour video and just loved it. And what I loved about it was not, because Lennox and this area was known for being part of the Gilded Age. Um, you know, all the robber barons and whatever would come here. They had their mansions. And, um, you know, so you could memorize the dates that they came and the names of their mansions and where they are and all that stuff. But I'm more interested in the in the people. Mm -hmm. And I interview people whose, whose grandparents and actually parents were servants, believe it or not, were servants during the Gilded Age. And they worked for these very wealthy families. And it's kind of like, you know, the show PBS Master, you know, Masterpiece Theater, Upstairs, Downstairs. Well, I was more interested in the people from the downstairs. And mm -hmm. the stories were fascinating. Their grandparents were, their fathers were chauffeurs, gardeners, their mothers were maids and cooks. And I loved those stories. And so that's really what I focused on. And when I was done, I went, you know, I want to do this more. And that's how I got started. With, started. Um, wow. And I know, can I just say that I know that you do giveaways? I have two giveaways. And one of them is the DVD of that. Of that oh, film. wow. I'm happy to give to you and you can share it with one of your listeners. 
Thank oh, you amazing. so much. That is so kind and generous of you to give two, two giveaways. I don't, <laughs> you know, when we talk to guests, sometimes they're like, giveaways, what? <laughs> yeah. um, but that is powerful. And I think it's kind of like if these walls could talk uh, type of situation, which is so interesting and frankly, juicy to know is like, this is how they're privy to these stories of how the other half lives because they're right there in the situation with them, like uh, part of their everyday life. That's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So do you have any more questions for me or should I just continue on? <laughs> well, so, so I guess tell us, um, how, how do you then, what, what do you do now through video memoir creations? Cause you, you had this kind of light bulb of like, wait, I want to do more of this aspect of really hearing people's stories. And so how did, how has that manifested? Well, I think people, you know, once they get over the initial shyness and self-consciousness, people really do appreciate talking about themselves because it gives uh, uh, them a sense of, you know, I'm important and value. And so they like, people like to be interviewed and, you know, they just have to like, if you treat it, we're just having a conversation. There's no, there are no cameras and lights in front of you that it can make you nervous. We're just having a conversation. Tell me about, tell me about, you know, your mother, what did she do? What did she like to cook in the kitchen? You know, what did she, what did it smell like? You know, what did your dad do? What, what time did he come home from work? And how was, you know, just these basic, you know, how did you get tr in trouble? A friend of mine always likes to ask that question. How did you get in trouble as a teenager? You know, um, you know, what did you do in your spare time? I mean, there's so many questions that, you know, usually when there's laughter, you know, that's always, it puts people at ease. But a lot of these questions just trigger, you know, nice memories. And then you just take it from there, you know. And I know, Catherine, you brought a photograph with you. I did, yes, which we are definitely going to talk about. It was a, a crazy day in, in time. <laughs> um, but I believe we have a video that you shared with us we wanted to um, play okay. for play for our listeners. Uh, Mary Michael because there was a nun who asked my mother to have her take uh, have me take Michael for a confirmation name. That's why it's strange. Everybody always sort of laughs at me when I tell them that my middle name is Michael. My grandfather, the important thing about him is that he went to the gold rush. When he got back, he had enough money to buy this house. So I, I guess that's the most most important thing about him. We were self-sufficient. Everybody had a pig and a, and a, and a chickens. Couldn't help but like being living here. A lot of people came to live to to live here for a short time and never left. That's beautiful. She's one of my favorite people. Yeah. That is that's powerful. I was thinking about you know, this idea of um, making things more tangible for people because they have maybe an item or something in their family that's like a symbol that their memories are tethered to items and the items themselves bring up all the things. And uh, have you dealt with someone where they had an item that you just remember and how powerful it was for them in their memory? Yes, definitely. Um, we interviewed one man who 
brought things that belonged to his father. Um, I think if I remember correctly, there was a chair that his father made. That wasn't his career, but he made this chair. And um, it was very meaningful to him and he brought it, you know, and there are other items. Yeah, items are very powerful. You know, um, because, you know, we all have little, I'm looking on my desk here to see if I have anything. We all have things that, you know, we're attached to, like a talisman, right? Mm-hmm. You know, some people, when they start to write, I do a little fiction writing myself. When I, I know that in classes, teachers have said, if you, if you have something like a candle or something that's meaningful to you, you know, bring it out and start writing. So, you know, items really do have uh, power to them. When they have meaning, yeah. Yeah. So a lot of times, I do ask people to bring something. Yeah. Okay. Um, so we're we're about to take a break, but uh, just to set this up, um, where Judy is going to walk me through kind of how her memoir process happens with her clients. So um, shortly, I'll share a photo from something that happened with my family a few years ago. And then um, Judy will, I, I'm excited. We haven't practiced this or anything. So we're just getting the raw the raw experience of it, which I think is good. Um, Can I also talk about the spice thing? Cause I, I feel like if we do both, um, yeah, that would be good. Cause it's like both senses, you know? So. Yes, okay, definitely. Olfactory is so powerful when you start talking about memories. Uh, immediately things start coming back, especially if it's tied to food in the kitchen. Um, Right now, we're about to go to a break, and I want to introduce what's about to come across the screen, which is a part of the Breathe series that I participated in for my residency at the Carver. I created a piece called Action or Apathy with my friend Jed Craddock, and we're going to view a little bit of that and listen to a song called Action or Apathy. Wait, 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 remain in the vegetative state or hesitate till it's much too late. Poison station, no noise of creation, it's time is a waste Time to kill. Wait. Well, I wait. Well, wait. Wait. The energy crescendos like resonant strings as I reflect on the tangible offerings to the universe. Before the morning light disperses from my cloudy eyes. Welcome back. I just want to keep listening. I want, yeah, I just want to keep doing poetry music and talking to Judy all day today. (laughs) That was Action or Apathy by Andrea Vocab Sanderson, moi, featuring Jed Craddock. That was beautiful. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. It's a song about just getting up in, in Carpe Diem, you know, which sometimes uh, we get a little intimidated by. And I think, you know, I was thinking about how some people might be intimidated about the idea of trying to record their family memoirs and, and the weight of that, because you want to make sure you're doing it correctly. But the services you provide, you help people, you know, simplify it and also make it just 
something practical for them. And we're going to jump into that, right? Yeah, let's do it. So first of all, it's not, it's never a test where people have to get the facts right. You know, if they get their year wrong or the name wrong, it's really about the feeling that comes out when they, when they talk about something that's meaningful to them. Um, and that's what I try to encourage. Um, so are we ready to do this with you, Catherine? Yes. Oh, okay. I'm very excited because um, you brought a photo. So I wanted to, are you going to show it? Yes, Richard will. There it is. Put it on screen. So I wanted you to first just describe the picture for people. Sure. Um, so this picture is of a landscape uh, in Hawaii. It's at a park called Aloha Aina Park, which is on Hickam Air Force Base. Um, and there are different types of trees. There's palm trees. Um, there's a, a paved path. And in the distance is the back of my husband and my um, two-year-old son at the time. They're, they're walking away from the camera. And so what made you choose this picture? I chose this picture because um, I don't know if you guys remember uh, back in 2018 in Hawaii, there was the ballistic missile warning that um, went through the emergency alert system. And um, we received that on our phones. It was a it was in the morning, like after breakfast. And it said, this is not a drill. <laughs> And so there was a good, I think it took about 40 minutes for that to resolve for, for the word to get out that that actually was not a real threat. Um, and, but there was a good five minutes there where we're thinking, okay, <laughs> this is, uh, this is it. Um, and that, that picture was taken that later that afternoon. Um, and so it just, Whenever I think of Hawaii, I, and those two memories are very much interlinked. I always think of that day specifically um, because it's just a really sobering experience of, um, it was interesting. It was like maybe 30 seconds of panic <laughs> and then it very quickly transformed into just this really indescribable feeling of peace and surrender because there was nothing we could do. And so um, that feeling in particular, like that feeling of peace is what I have attached to that memory of that photo. That's incredible. I don't think anyone of us, I've never certainly experienced that. And I remember it on the news. Yeah. Can yeah. you describe a little more about like what was going on in your body and your mind when those, for those few minutes? Yeah. Um, I, my, I remember my husband being upstairs. He was changing Michael's, I don't know, pull up, whatever it was. Um, and I was finishing breakfast and I, I saw the alert, had the, that feeling like straight to my gut of kind of panic. And I yelled up to upstairs to my husband, like, there's a missile coming. <laughs> it was just so surreal. Um, and then again, very quickly, it didn't take very long. And I don't know what that what that thing is that happened where it was just like, I wasn't worried anymore. I just wanted to be with my family. I, I just and, and I was I remember feeling safe that I was with my husband and my son, despite the circumstances. Has that impacted your life since? Have you had any reaction? 
Yeah, I, th I think it took uh, it took a couple of days for it to sink in, like what actually happened. <laughs> um, and um, I think to to the rest of the the world, it was there were like some jokes that were made about it, um, like how Hawaii can't, you know, they kind of can't get their stuff together, and and but it was a very real experience, um, and I think that it it continues to have an effect on just how I view life in general that um, like we always kind of say, you know, like not to take things for granted, but I think that experience really drove that home for me. Um, it is, um, you just, you just don't know, like you don't know what's going to happen. And so I think it has put me more into like just being more intentional, intentional about being present with people. That's, that's an amazing um, take on it. And you, you, it obviously impacted the way you view life now. Because I know I love, I love 1940 movies made in England during World War II, you know? Mm -hmm. And so you see the blitz and what the families went through, but you actually experienced it. So you just get more, so much more of an appreciation of what people go through in difficult times. Yeah, so I can you. see how. I mean, I can see how that would uh, affect your outlook on things. I assume that it did. Oh yes, um, and it. I think it took a while um, for me to, I think, internalize it o over a long period of time, um, like in a healthy way and not in a fatalistic way. <laughs> you know, um, there there was like some recalibrating that had to happen in in my thinking because of that experience, but. Um, but yeah, it was just this really interesting mix of like totally scary, but also, um, to me, it was a very spiritual experience that, that feeling of peace, um, to me that, that was a spiritual experience of just knowing that like, everything's okay. Everything's going to be okay. It's not up to me, you know? It's amazing. Have you and your husband talked to Michael about it? Not yet. Um, yeah, clearly he was too young at the time. Um, we haven't talked to him about it just yet, but eventually. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that this, um, there's a theme in this. It's not just a picture about, you know, a beautiful beach. I mean, there's a real theme here and it, it had a real impact on your life. And I love to explore those themes. And you also, if we have a minute, we all, you also talked about your grandmother's spices and cooking. Oh yes. Um, so I'm I'm half Lebanese, and my my mother's mom, um, her name was Anne, and she uh, she was just an amazing. She could do all, everything. She was a cook. She did sewing. She could make anything. Um, but my I have very vivid memories of her and her love for her for cooking and sharing that with our family. Um, so, um, she had a mint garden on the side of, she lived in this yellow brick house up in Pennsylvania. She had a mint garden on the side of her house and there was always mint in our salads or, um, she used a lot of kamun spice in, in her cooking. And so, um, yes, that was, <laughs> When I think of her, I think of all this delicious food and, and that's, I felt her love through her cooking. Yeah. I mean, I think there you could explore themes. We won't go into it now, but, you know, 
did that inspire a love of cooking, a love of travel, a love of just being home and having that sense of security um, or having your the importance of having your own family that you can cook for? I mean, there's so many themes to be explored, I think, um, which is what I try to do. I try to have a theme to choose a theme that's meaningful to the person. And they, you know, we work together to 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 choose that theme. So it's not just stories, but they're they come away with a sense of like, oh, this this piece really has meaning mm. to my life. It's not just about this story, that story, you know, but something that impacted me, how it impacted me and, um, you know, what messages I want to and lessons I want to impart maybe to my children and grandchildren. So um, I, I like to get sort of deep when I do the video memoir, but always, as I said, as a conversation, you know, nothing intimidating. Right. Well, and it's it's interesting you talk about themes because um, I, it's almost like you're, you're cur not, I don't want to say curating. That makes it sound like you're editing out parts, <laughs> but you're like picking up on, um, key things that we ourselves maybe don't see because we're too close to it, so to speak, you know, um, is that, is that something that you find easy to do when you're listening to people to pick up on those themes? Or do you feel like you have to dig real deep to find that? I think I do it in in maybe two different ways. One, when I'm listening to them and, you know, I'm hearing things that they may not be aware of, or maybe they are aware of it. I mean, you certainly are aware of it with the, you know, with the picture and what happened in Hawaii. Um, but then when I get to the editing, um, I can, you know, then I can actually physically almost, you know, take out the sections or move sections that, you know, don't really speak to the important issues. You know, I think people really want to have something, the final product to be meaningful to them. So I'm that's my responsibility to give them something that they really want. They may not know they want it, but when they receive it and they say, oh, there's really an important message here that I want my children to know. This is something about me that's that's meaningful. You know, that I feel like is my job. And I love doing it. I love editing. I mean, I could sit here all day long and forget to eat. That doesn't usually happen to me. So, <laughs> <laughs> Vocab, any other question for Judy? I think that it's really powerful that themes run in people's lives. And we are, sometimes as we walk through our life, we are unaware of these themes that keep reoccurring until... I think supernaturally, sometimes people bring it up to us and then we're all of a sudden aware that um, that something powerful is happening. And I was wondering, you know, kind of like bringing back that idea of the symbol. Um, is there a part of this that like what do you find really just fulfilling uh, in after you conclude certain projects? What do I find fulfilling about certain about Yeah, it? like something that's just really fulfilling to you. Um I think just having a sense of, as I said, you know, a, a meaningful product that I can give somebody, but also having an arc, having like the beginning and showing how they changed and what they learned and then ending on that note. You know, it's like telling a really good story. And that's what it is. It's storytelling. Absolutely. You know? 
Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. Well, we're going to go to another break. And during this break, we're going to hear a song called Magic by Jeff Woods. Cause you're magic. Everything about you is magic. Every little piece of you is magic. I for one know I gotta have it. Every single day is tragic. To know that other people don't have it. Nearly as good as I have it. Being with you is pure magic. Every single day. Jeff Wood. He's one of our musicians in residence with Hearts Need Art. Um, right before the break, Judy, you touched on kind of, you know, your, your storytelling, you're creating this story for people. And um, I'm curious if you could share about like, so with Hearts Need Art, oftentimes we have uh, patients or caregivers that want to be able to record special memories or part of their family history um, while they're in the hospital. And so I'm wondering if you could talk a little about maybe some tips for ways they could start to, to do that with each other. Yeah, that's, that's great. Um, well, I always encourage people to carry a notebook with them. So if they can write down memories and, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you have an idea or a memory comes up and you get busy with something else, but if you're, if you can take the few minutes, um, to write it down, um, there's also, um, if there's a caregiver there who has a phone with a, there's a recording option, right? Uh, app, they can use a memo, voice, voice memo. They can record the person, you know, talking about, you know, whatever memory comes up. Um, it's really important for people who are in the hospital, who are undergoing memory, who have memory issues, dementia, et cetera to um, be encouraged to talk. Um, and, you know, it, I, there's also a lot of depression in the world now. I mean, especially with the pandemic, people are isolated, have been isolated, some still are isolated, and there's a lot of loneliness and um, reminiscing. <clears throat> reminiscing is really uh, a positive step, I think. It's, it's important for people to be able to do that. And yeah, just recording or writing notes and um, the caregivers can help with that. And um, I think that I know for me, sometimes with any creative thing, I sometimes get caught up in wanting, like before I even get started, uh, I get stuck because I, I want it to be perfect right off the bat. And, um, but I think like the suggestion of, you know, just take out your phone and do an audio recording and you can, then you have the content, you can always go back and start to create a memoir like you do or, or edit out or um, put the story, put the pieces together. Yeah. It's, it's really great to just do a rough draft. You don't have to, there's no judging, you know, you, you're not, you don't, you just write, just write. And, and I always, I mean, if you can write by hand, 
uh, there's like a mind hand or whatever connection, you know, it, it, the words just, I mean, I'm sure vocab, you can explain it better, but you know, it just, the words come out faster, easier, you know, you're more in touch with your, you know, unconscious or subconscious, I guess, you know, that way with your hand. Uh, but, you know, if you need to use your computer or if you want to do a voice memo, you know, these are just really, these are gems that if you don't let them out, people aren't going to know about. And you want to share them. You want them even for yourself. And it's, um, I think it's really helpful for people who have been alone for so long and isolated to, um, to start, you know, writing and getting those thoughts out and sharing them, you know, join a class. You could start a little group with your, you know, peers, um, just sharing little snippets. Self-expression is all really important. Have you um, used music in the past for people uh, when it comes to uh, their memories and things of that nature? And do you have any stories around uh, music as the focus? Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know if I have any stories, but music adds a lot of mood to a piece. So I love to add music. I'm very, I'm a stickler for music rights. So I'm very careful. I can't use anything that I don't, don't have the rights to. So um, if someone has, um, if they play a piece or, you know, so I'm, I'm aware of that, but yeah, there are plenty of places you can buy um, music, uh, needle drops and that kind of thing. Um, but music adds a lot. You know, you were talking before vocab, I think about um, the senses, you know, the senses, all five senses. I mean, the spices, you know, trigger memories and, and music. I mean, I know there, there was a study in nursing homes, wasn't there about uh, right. people with dementia, put, they put on music that they were like, they loved when they were maybe 21 years old and they just started dancing. They hadn't moved in so long and it just, you know, it's very powerful. So yes, definitely. I use music. It's very interesting how sometimes you cannot remember song lyrics, but as soon as a song comes on, you're you're in it and you can sing the song along with the song as long as it's, it's playing. It's There's definitely a magic to it. Yeah. So, you know, I, um, anyway, uh, it's not only about family legacy. It's also about anniversaries. People want to celebrate and, and show videos, but I just had this funny thought today. I don't know how it came up, but I compare my business to like a small little local corner store. And when I thought that I went, oh yeah, there was a corner store where I grew up. I grew up in New York City um, and the owner, um, he sold newspapers, cigars, cigarettes, and candy, right? And we used to go, I wasn't allowed to eat candy, but we used to go and, and like get candy with our allowance and like stuff it in our pockets, you know, and he always, and he didn't tell my parents, he knew, and he knew everybody on the block, but um, he always had a cigar in his mouth. I remember that, you know, but um, just these little memories, you know, New York city is very different now that that storekeeper, he moved around the corner to a modern building and now he's not there anymore. I'm sure he's long gone, but you know, the neighborhoods change. So it's nice to hear this, you know, stories about what things were like, you know, when we were kids. Yeah, it's it's weird even with um like my six year old, just te technological differences, <laughs> like <laughs> dial up internet, you know, like that's not <laughs> that's not a thing anymore, not really. Um 
but um, I had I had one other question about, and you had, you had shared this back when we talked several weeks ago, just some ideas for people that are trying to do this with their loved ones kind of on the spot. What are some simple things they can do to the environment that they're filming in that would make it better quality? Um, like just some things to consider about the setting that you're in. Right. Um, turn off all air conditioning, turn off all phones and ding ringers, any kind of ringers. Um, it's good to do it in a room that has a rug so you don't get, you know, the um, echoey effect. Um, you want to have, you you know, test out the lighting, you know, have a have a lamp or something. Don't don't film towards a window on a sunny day because that will be because a person, you know, you won't be able to see their features. Um, and don't let them fidget with something. You know, a lot of times if you have a microphone, like a, a lavalier you put up here and then they, they hit their <laughs> themselves, you know, you hear that noise. Um, have them put a glass of water next to the person they're interviewing because the sound that you make when you're thirsty is, you know, not great. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, lighting, sound. Um, always have them start with a full sentence. If you ask a question, if you say, how are you today? And you say, fine. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> you say, today I'm really doing great. You're only feeling fine because this just happened. Or have them elaborate as much as possible, but have them start with a full sentence. Um, if the interviewer is not gonna be on camera, um, you want them to you know, talk as if they're, telling you a story, telling a story to the camera. And then then there's always the issue of where to look. You know, it's now, you know, pretty uh, standard that you don't look directly at the camera, but you look off to the side. Um, so that, and I think uh, that's probably it. You know, but any nervous habits, some people, you know, tap their feet or something. You just want to keep that to a minimum. <laughs> No feet tapping. No. <laughs> and if they can take their glasses off, if they if you see the reflection, that's also mm. helpful. Avoiding the glare. Yeah. <laughs> there's so much. Uh, there's so much uh, involved in that, but I think it's beautiful that you know um, you're willing to walk people through that process. Uh, so you going back to the beginning of your story, you said you interviewed like several people in one day and then you had this moment. So when did when what did you start with? Like what tools did you start with when you when you started recording people and who did you start with? Did you start with family and, and did you start with friends? Did you start with other strangers? Oh, well years back I've I've always been into ring my 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 three daughters will tell you that I used to videotape their birthday parties, which they didn't appreciate because I just love the little <laughs> conversation that I could like sneak in and hear, you know. <laughs> um, and my cousin, uh, my fourth cousin um, had a relative, I can't remember the connection there, but he came over and I interviewed him because he was quite elderly. And I know my aunt, I recorded her on my phone, just not with a camera. Um, so I heard, you know, I, and I asked her questions. Um, so I've always done it. Um, when I interviewed, are you talking about when I did the video about my town, when I interviewed all those people? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. So I just, so I just um, 
well, one one interview takes a full day, you know, mm-hmm. or half a day. I mean, it ta- you can't do more than one in a day. It's it's exhausting. And, you know, when you set up, you have to set up your equipment. So what did I start with? A tripod and a camera. But nowadays, the cell phones are better than a lot of cameras. Yes. So you mm-hmm. just, Carol, pick up my cell phone. So you get a, you have a, your cell phone. I don't have the equipment right in here, but you get a, a holder for the phone. And you never car- hold it vertically. You hold it horizontally. So a camera for the phone. I mean, excuse me, a, a, a holder. And that holder goes into a tripod. And then um, you can have um, a second, you can have a mic that you can connect to the to the phone. Or you can just use the, cam- the you know, the, the microphone from the phone itself. Um, and if you want to get lights, I mean, that gets, you know, expensive and complicated but that's what people hire you for judy <laughs> right. for being in. Um, by the way the second giveaway can i tell you what it is yes because yeah. we, we have we have just a little bit of time left okay, and we so want the second giveaway is i would love to i would love to offer this one of your listeners i will interview them we'll spend like a half hour on zoom they'll give me maybe three to five pictures a piece of music that they like and i'll put something together for them no charge. Wow. That's amazing. You, the caveat is, would you put it on your, you know, put it, they would have to agree and you would have to agree that they, you put it on your Facebook page or something. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, we will, uh, we will put the details for that giveaway in the comments um, so that people can um, get their submissions in for that. Um, what is the best way for people to get in touch with you, Judy? Um, they can go to my website, which is videomemoircreations.com, and there's a contact page there. So I think that would be the best way to do it. Okay. Yeah. And thank you so much. Thank uh, you. For this is all of that. Thank you so much, both of you. Appreciate it. And thank you for your generosity and just being willing to share your experiences with this and giving us those tools and those tips so that we can start telling our stories with our families and our loved ones. Uh, Right now, we're going to go to another break, and we're going to listen to a song called I Wish by myself, Andrea Vocab Sanderson, and Nick Levins. Sorry, I was all singing along there. <laughs> that was my song, I Wish. And it's cool because it appears on one of my albums as well as 
of the band's album, um, The Foreign Arm. Excited to, um, you know, share these things with you all. Thank you so much for allowing hearts need arts, oh, arts for the health of it. Thank you for allowing thank us for to play it. the music. <laughs> so, <laughs> hey, I love dorks. Um, <laughs> all right. Um, Vocab, did you have any um, memoir activity that, that you wanted to share with our listeners today, just based on what we had talked with Judy about? Go ahead. I did, I did, I did. So, okay, let me go into the story. I have to tell that this has, you know, I always, whenever I teach creative writing, I'm like, don't give us this these long stories about why you wrote. But in this situation, I need to. I felt like it was really powerful that you, you know, we were talking about how this episode could be called a day at the beach because you brought your picture with your son and your husband, you know, walking towards the beach and, um, you know, I, and, and that was the the memories you started evoking. And so I was like, I would like to share a poem about a father-son relationship and a day at the beach. And it's crazy because I had something completely different that I was going to share. But when I saw the picture, no, when, when I was thinking the show through and thinking about what you were going to share and, the, and everything, I was like, I have that story. Yes. So I know a guitarist named Berto. He does, he plays Spanish guitar and he wanted a, a memorial piece written about his dad who taught him how to surf uh, and just kind of like their story from moving from one place to another. So anyways, he asked me to write the piece and here is the piece. It's called Ami Padre. It was uh, published in the San Antonio Express News I think last year or something like that. And um, here we go, Ami Padre. The ocean glitters golden in memory. The shore is saturated with good times. The convergence of bodies of water meeting for the first time. Salt over skin speaks to me sentimentally. White sand between toes, sea breeze upon my nose, the ebb and flow of cool liquid. The pounding, rolling, rushing, and courageous as a man migrating to a new beginning. Rinsing me in understanding and tugging me to undertow. I embrace the tide, strong as my father's arms and surmounting to a crest. Waves of love surround me with froth and foam, lifting me as I surf, sending me out to sea. Sunlight lines, honey-colored dunes. Wind choreographs the movement of colorful kites and parasols above the beach where exalted ribbons float through the azure skyline. They glide among the albatross. We are all islands unto ourselves with tiny hills that peak by the sea. Palms and trees stipple in the landscape and my heart feels free from a father's love that marks my emancipation. Together we have built like Castillos de arena, yet we are immovable. Sandcastles, never erased, never eroding, never washed away. Never erased, never eroding, never washed away. They stay grounded at sea level. Fortress of grains, warm dry by the sun. Shells embedded in the topography. We lounge like beach bums, our sandy legs stretched out wide as the firmament of the Pacific. 
We gaze into the waters to see where the sky lands upon the ocean, and endless kiss that ombres, sky blue to marine blue, a hue so deep our hearts sink into the sight. Hmm. I need a, I need a minute. Do we have extra minutes? <laughs> when did you write that? I wrote that poem, I want to say, was that last year that I wrote? It was either last year or the year before last, but it's been in the last two years that I've written that poem. And again, Bertho just kind of talked a little bit about his dad and growing up. And I wrote that piece, but I really tied it into my own heart because I was able to, one of my fond memories is going to Maui with my dad mm -hmm. and my family on his side. And just, you know, yeah, lounging at the beach is, you know, just those things that can be created, the memories. And um, yeah, I just really wanted to give a lot of imagery to, um, you know, the moment. That that you did. <laughs> the sandcastles, the part about the sandcastles, especially because growing up in Florida and frequenting the beach, like we're always building sandcastles and they inevitably get washed away but so that that part I could just I could feel that <laughs> um but it's also an interesting like it's a whole other avenue that people could use with for themselves or with their loved ones that you know maybe it doesn't maybe it isn't a video it could be talking with them and creating a poem or a short story or an art piece that that represents whatever you're trying to to capture so Absolutely. Setting is such a powerful part of memory. And sometimes we think of setting as just a location, but setting is time, era, it's weather, it's environment, it's the culture of that time. All those things play into the setting. And, uh, you know, we, we can, the little things make a big difference when you take the time to describe the little things. So... Speaking of which, you were recently on a little nature, not I want to say retreat, but you did a, a workshop um, and you were kind of out, out in the boonies, <laughs> I think. Um, and you had, you created this art piece. Do you, you feel like sharing? Oh, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So, yes, I did that. But um, so the Briscoe Museum for... Um, for Dream Week and things of that nature, they did a, a art in the wild and write in the wild. And it was about Thomas Mengelson's uh, photography. And he spends a lot of time photographing with, yeah, grizzly bears. And so mm -hmm. I decided I was going to paint a bear, watercolor bear. I want to see this. There it is. So the picture <laughs> under belongs to a, another young lady was there, but that's my watercolor bear up there on top. <laughs> oh my gosh. If if you're listening and not watching, there's this this big yellow sun at the top and a uh, blue sky behind it and this amazing bear right in the foreground. <laughs> yeah. And what I did was I picked up a leaf off the ground and I painted around the leaf and I was like, well, let me create a little pattern. So I was like, let me do four leaves. So I did four mm -hmm. leaves, um, you know, and then I just kind of made the leaves become a part of the bear. <laughs> I love it. Oh, thank, thank you. you for sharing that. I'm not, I'm, this is not, that's not my medium, but I'm like, okay, I'm starting to like this a little it more. It is now. You, <laughs> yeah. It's coming out of you. Yeah. 
<laughs> Thank you so much, Catherine. You know, being a part of this podcast has really, really made me think about different ways to incorporate art, other forms of art into my life that maybe I hadn't. And I hope that, you know, our viewers and listeners, you're getting that same experience that you're trying it, you're, you're taking, taking that leap of faith and saying, you know, what? I'm going to sit down, I'm going to paint, I'm going to write a poem, you know? Yeah. Similarly, what I've noticed, so I haven't told you this, but when I go for, I usually take a lunch walk break and mm -hmm. I'm just listening to the sounds I hear. And when I get home, I'm like writing down what I hear and they're, I don't know that they're poems, but <laughs> there's writing happening. Um, and I, I have you to thank for that. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs> that makes me really happy to hear that. Yeah. So, um, I think we have some things to remind people about yes. and, and talk about. Real quick, uh, we want to remind you of our Give and Garden fundraiser for Hearts Need Art. Uh, you can go purchase your plants for your garden and 50% of the proceeds will go directly to us. Um, we also want to thank Jane Phepps and the Nancy Smith Heard Foundation for supporting this podcast and just giving, this, giving us the ability to share all these incredible people from all over the world um, to just inspire you to keep creating. So on Thank that note, you. you're so kind. <laughs> Make sure you like or subscribe or follow us wherever you are listening or watching, and we will see you next week. We will Take see care, everyone. Don't forget to send out your hearts. Yes, send your hearts. Thank yeah. you for listening to Arts for the Health of It. This episode is produced by Hearts Need Art creative support for patients and caregivers. You can support the show and help others learn about the healing power of the arts by visiting heartsneedart.org. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Hearts Need Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking because of